You probably never thought you'd hear people say, I can't wait to get back to work. Nevertheless, here we are. So today we hear from veteran tech heavyweights coming together with new inventions to make it happen. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Everybody, welcome back to another fun-filled episode, Oil and Gas Tech Podcast. This one is going to be fun because we have actually have three people three guests on this time, and they're in three different places, and none of them are where I am. So audience, you're going to have to bear with us while we try to have something that sounds like a normal, natural conversation. But we got a great topic today. We're going to talk about back-to-work solutions, something I think that's on people's minds right around this time in 2020. And this solution is coming out of something called the Growth Factory, which I have to admit is a cool name. It sounds a little bit like a 90s boy band, but I think but I think the Growth Factory is a cool name. First, before we do that, I'll let these guys finish rolling their eyes where I can't see them. First, I got to mention, please leave us a review. Leave us lots of reviews. It's the only way that we really know whether you actually like what we're doing. And if you don't like it, then then tell us in the review that you don't like it, but that we should do something different. If you do like it, then leave a good review so other people will know that this is worth their time. Also, a quick shout out to our sponsor, Cognite. I'm going to say a little bit about more about them toward the end. One last thing before we go to the guests. I, gotta, I have to bring this up. Now, I was talking with a friend, and this is particularly relevant, I think, today because we're talking about some innovative stuff. And I was talking with a friend the other day, and you know, he made one of those jokes about how this industry is a little late to the party technology-wise. And there's some truth to that, I think, when it comes to some recent things. We all know that in oil and gas. However, if you take a quick look at history, you will see that innovation has always been part of the heritage in this industry, really going back more than a century. I think ever since Mr. Drake tried to figure out how to use salt drilling to, to drill the first oil well. So even in computer times, right? Some things back in the 70s that were pretty cool. They might look a little silly now, but it was cutting edge back then. So that could be a topic of a whole other episode. In fact, you know, maybe we'll do that. Maybe, maybe at some point we'll have some guests come on who talk about the history of technology and oil and gas, and we can see how it evolved and how we got to where we are today and how really oil and gas has been innovating in technology all along. So uh, audience, if you think that's a good idea, let me know. But meanwhile, next time you hear somebody make a joke about us being behind the times, just remember that oil and gas was doing tech before tech was cool. So speaking of cool, I have on the line today in our fancy online recording studio, I've got folks from IBM and from Samsung Mobile. We have Nick Otto from IBM. We have Ed Choi from Samsung and also Ray Kui from Samsung. So I'm going to let you guys talk a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Let's start with Nick from IBM. Go ahead. Sure. Thanks, Michael. I love the boy band analogy. Am I the first one to think of that? Yeah, I mean, that's going to that's gonna become a new t-shirt or something we'll have to use. <laughs> for background, Nick Otto, I'm a vice president of strategic partnerships at IBM and, and really every day working with great partners like Samsung trying to figure out how to solve clients' problems. 
across many industries. But my personal background, a lot of experience in the industrial industry and a lot of work in, in oil and gas. So excited uh, for the discussion today. Excellent. Good. Thanks, Nick. And Ed. Oh, excellent, Michael. You know, I just trademarked Growth Factory for our K-pop boy band. So, uh, <laughs> this is going to be the whole, the whole episode now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Edward Choi, Vice President of Strategic Alliances with Samsung Mobile. You know, worked at uh, Samsung now coming up to about two and a half, three years now. Recently moved from Samsung HQ in, in Korea to U.S., our largest market. And I got to say, working in HQ for a few years provided an incredible opportunity to see global trends and how companies are leveraging mobile technology, especially around 5G, edge computing, analytics, really to tackle new business problems. A lot of the companies we're talking to right now, top of mind in almost every case, is how do they emerge from the pandemic stronger and ready for business? Looking forward to sharing some of those insights with you today. Cool. All right. Very good. And we got this is heavy hitters we have on. And now we also have Ray. Ray Cooey, go ahead. Thank you, Michael. And, and first of all, thanks so much for inviting us to your show. This is a great opportunity. So first of all, thank you. And thank you to your listeners to spending some time with us. So I'm the national director for the Strategic Alliance Group. I report directly to Ed Choi. And my entire job is to try to figure out how our devices can work in ways that they were never intended to by our engineers in Suwon, Korea. So as you can imagine, these really brilliant folks in Suwon, Korea spent a lot of time to create phones and tablets and wearables, all these things. And, and they really do it from a consumer mindset. You know, how do you use this at home? How do you use this in, in different ways? And my entire job is to basically throw all that out the window and see how we can use it at work and have this be a productive work tool. And this is today, we're actually going to talk about one of those ways that, you know, to be honest, our engineers never had a, a slight inkling into what, you know, our watches could do in this particular way. But this is where we are today, to your point, because of our work environment has totally changed. Yep. Yep. That's good. Thank you. You know, I think it's an interesting point that you make, which is that, you know, taking the consumer technology and figuring out how to use it in the workplace, it's something that's very relevant to the industry. Besides the fact that right now we're all dealing with how to go back to work and all of that, I think it's it's been relevant to the industry in terms of this whole crew change, right, that people have been talking about for the last few years, which I think the crew change is taking a little bit longer and a lot of the crew is hanging on longer. But but the point is, is that some oil companies have for the last few years have realized that there's a bit of a culture gap when it comes to the younger people coming into the industry who have certain expectations about what their environment should be like and how the technology should work and the usability of it, and how they interact with things. And those expectations weren't there in, you know, previous, previous generations. So this, I, it sounds to me like what you're doing kind of flows directly into that broader objective besides, you know, what we're dealing with in this particular year. Yeah. So. Let's start with first a little bit about, so we have two household names together here, IBM and Samsung. You guys are obviously working together, this thing called the Growth Factory. So Ed, I believe I remember that you are the lead singer for this, for this group. So why don't you tell us like, how did it, like what, why did this come together? Why did it start? Why are these two companies working together? You got it. The Samsung and IBM partnership is a classic using your boy band team here, <laughs> better together story, right? The relationship has existed for about 30 years. Our partnership started between 
the old Samsung semiconductor chip business and the IBM mainframe business. And over the years, we matured into like other business units across two companies. Now, over the past several years, we've been focusing on enterprise mobility IoT solution. We're bringing together Samsung's leadership in 5G. Now, a lot of people doesn't, don't know that Samsung is one of only two companies in the world that provides 5G chip, 5G network components and software that power all the large global carriers and a portfolio of 5G mobile devices. Now, we're going to couple all that capability with our defense-grade security technology we call Knox that's embedded in all of our mobile devices, making us the most trusted mobile company in the world. And then a fit-for-purpose mentality, our design approach to deliver our devices more custom to what our B2B clients require. And it's very unique in this space. Now, we're combining all these Samsung market leadership capabilities with what makes IBM special. Their market-leading capabilities around hybrid multi-cloud solutions. Now, with the powerful edge computing capabilities out of the recent acquisition of Red Hat, coupled with IBM's AI, Analytics, Watson, and you know, truly one of the few global companies that can deliver an end-to-end consulting story that help enterprise clients really unlock new business use cases. Well, so well, I was just thinking, you know, it's, that's important because unlike the consumer market where people can nowadays can pretty much just buy things and use it, like who keeps their user manuals anymore? Who even opens them, right? You just buy stuff and you use it. But in the professional world, in the business world, it's not so simple, right? So you can't just have all this tech that you just you just order up online and it shows up and you put it to work. You got it. It's interesting. I've, yeah, I was speaking at a conference a year ago. One of the people at the conference asked me, how do you compare yourself and describe yourself against your competition? And I said, well, put it this way. Let's say there's a car accident. There's a person in the street bleeding. An ambulance pop comes around the corner. A medic jumps out, looks at the injured person, opens his vest and said, do you need a suture? Do you need some aspirin? What do you need? (laughs) Versus having someone come out actually do some diagnostics, see how you're doing, seeing that you're breathing, seeing that you, you're you uh, taking care of, and then taking you to the hospital, and then telling them what they need. So that's the difference between a Samsung mentality of designing for the purpose of what the companies need versus a lot of our competition that says, we have red, black, and white. You choose, right? right, right now, right, in the right. U.S., it's interesting. We've taken the whole concept of our technology partnership between Samsung and IBM and we've taken it to the next level. We jointly launched an initiative, like you said early on, the Growth Factory earlier this year. Now, what we've done is we leverage IBM's garage methodology, which is a tested and proven blueprint, we call it, that helps enterprise companies accelerate new solutions to market. Now, what we decided is harness this blueprint, this know-how from IBM, for our Growth Factory initiative, where we're integrating Samsung products with IBM services to, and using IBM's old term, co-create with clients often and early for new differentiated products and solutions in the market. I gotta say, Michael, timing is everything. We launched a Growth Factory initiative around the same time the world was thrown into this health crisis. And Samsung and IBM, you know, with our approach responded by reprioritizing our use cases, solutions based on the biggest needs and key verticals that were most impacted by the pandemic. 
based on what we heard from the clients, oil and gas industry is one of the key verticals we've decided to prioritize. Good. I'm glad you bring that up because that was kind of my next thought, which is how do we, this is an oil and gas podcast. So I can see right away how what you're talking about has benefits all over multiple industries, you know, all over the world. In terms of this industry, how about maybe can we bring in a little context? How do you see it? So you said it's a key focus area for the two companies working together. Let's talk about what does this mean? How do you see this particularly driving value in oil and gas? And I'll, I'll mention that or I'll pull out a couple things, Ed, that you said. And Nick, maybe you can comment on this next part. But you said the word accelerate, which is very important in this industry right now because you know, everybody has a little bit of money and a little bit of time and they have to get results. And that's, and there's no, there's no playing and just because of the pressures and things in the industry. And you also said early and often, which kind of flows along the same theme. So Nick, how does this, how do you see this really channeling into the oil and gas industry and making a difference with the specific challenges that we have here? Yeah, no, great question, Michael. I mean, I I think just to to reiterate first, you know, Ed's point around co-creation when you look at you know IBM and Samsung, you know two great tech companies full of innovation, always number one, number two for decades in terms of you know patent leading organizations across the U.S. A ton of industry expertise. You know we we both hire from the industry, including oil and gas, to make sure we've got the latest trends. But it's really when you sit down with the companies and with your clients to go out and come up with the next innovation that's going to matter for that customer. And I think when we zoom into oil and gas, and you've probably heard a lot of these same topics as you have your podcast and engage with different customers, but you know, priority number one for quite a while, exactly where you touched is around maximizing productivity. How am I going to reduce cost as I'm continually working with the decreasing envelope here, but maximize productivity? So we're, we're working with Samsung around wearable projects. How do we bring mobile into really influence decisions and make more productive decisions when the time is needed. How do you look at AI and edge and how is AI making more productive decisions for individuals all across the organization? How do you look at automation? All of this really coming together and, and still maintaining all the different regulatory challenges that you have across the industry. And I think, you know, that that's kind of point one is productivity exactly as you touched on, but two is performance. So when, when you look at a lot of organizations right now, the focus around exploration and production, how do I do that better, faster, cheaper, et cetera? And it also ties into what Ed was mentioning earlier. We're finding a huge transition in terms of the workloads required from a, a computational perspective to drive that improved performance. So you, you look back a few weeks back now, we put out a joint announcement with Schlumberger focused around how we, from an IBM hybrid cloud perspective, partnering with Red Hat and Schlumberger, wanted to relook at what a hybrid cloud environment looks like to solve these disparate compute challenges. You touched on legacy infrastructure earlier. The challenges that you have when you have compute spread all around your organization is how do I go solve and come up with the, you know, the latest and greatest approach to go to exploration? Those are the types of challenges that we're really seeing essential from a performance perspective. But then the final one, which ties into the the discussion we were having a few minutes ago, is really around safety. I mean, anytime you talk to anyone in oil and gas, safety is a key topic. It really doesn't matter what geography you're in, what company you're talking to, safety always comes up. 
And I think that's really just been accelerated as we look at the current times, because everyone wants to drive productivity, wants to improve performance, but also wants to do so safely. And that really gets to the latest co-creation work that we've been driving with Samsung, which is how do we get people back to work safely so they can effectively deliver on all these different changing needs of the industry. And I think that that's one of the things we really wanted to dig into a bit more today. Got it. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Thanks for summing that up. It's And it, I don't know if you guys are hearing this thunder coming in behind me on my microphone, but I think I'm about to be in a thunderstorm. So we'll just see how that goes. But fortunately, I don't have a metal roof. That happens to us. Usually when we're over, when we're in person and we, I forgot to mention the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston, where we do our in-person podcast, they do also have a metal roof and it's sometimes fun when it rains. But I want to go back. So Nick, there's a whole bunch of really good stuff that you said in there. I think that in terms of this, you know, making the improvements, the optimizations that need to be done in exploration, really in all the disciplines, right? Exploration needs to be faster and with significantly less risk and development needs to be, you know, much less expensive with less risk and production needs to be optimized to get the most output and pull costs out. All those things, I think, you know, historically, right up until a few years ago, the industry, most of the the smart people in the industry had ways, traditional methods of making those improvements and tightening the belt and increasing optimizations through, you know, kind of all the traditional mechanical levers that they would pull. And now that's not really good enough anymore. So we got to embrace this digital world, which you can do a whole bunch of amazing things there with, like you mentioned, some of the analytics and the real-time processing, et cetera. But you need a lot, it's a lot more data and you need a lot more computing power. So we see people rolling out incredible computing capabilities all the way out to the edge. And some of the stuff that I think it was Ed mentioned about 5G and the connectivity, all that stuff is coming together. But there is one really important point, Nick, which you hit on, which was you also have to have people plugged into this whole machine so that they can actually work and make use of all these technologies to actually drive the business toward these objectives. And this year, obviously, has been a challenge. I mean, when it comes to having people plugged in, but that's actually always a challenge in these things, right? The distribution channel for this stuff and how you get it into the hands of people. So, you know, the computers can do all kinds of really great stuff, but people have to be able to interact with it in a way that's timely and intuitive and et cetera. So that comes around to this solution that we're talking about today, which we've talked about kind of in the abstract. So let's talk about what it really is. So that's a good time for, I think, for Ray to to chime in with like, what is this thing exactly that you guys have been cranking away on in the growth factory? Awesome. So first and foremost, I think it's really important that we clarify that a lot of industries are getting back to work, right? And I think your audience may chuckle at that and say, we've never left work. Right. So (laughs) we, you know, we've been working through this entire thing. And so we're focused on two things, right? We're, we're focused on some verticals that are trying to get their employees to come back to work. And we also are focused on industries like this one that are continuing to work, but safer. Okay. So that's, it's two different, you know, sides of the same coin that we're after. So that's the first thing. Right. Got it. And then it's really funny over the weekend. So we did a proof of concept with a major airline and it's really funny over the weekend. I saw somebody post something on social media that it was a cartoon and it was of a plane and there was a lot of passengers and the pilot came over the the intercom and he said, you know, this is your captain speaking. I want to let you know that I'm working remotely today. 
and the whole, you know, all the passengers freaked out, right? They're, you know, yelling and throwing their hands and everything else. And I thought that was really timely for this, for this call because, right, right. right, there are so many people that their work cannot be done remotely. A pilot is a, is a great example. And I think a lot of your audience is the same way. It's a hands-on environment. It is. Well, and it's already like, we're already working, like it's already remote. It's just that the operations are remote and the people are spread out all over the place. And yeah, people in this industry have always had to deal with not always having everything in a nice, neat, tidy sort of office arrangement. So that's absolutely right. So for sure. So no, that's a great point. And, and so in much like for your industry, you know, in travel and transportation, specifically aviation, as you're running a major airline, these folks are working in very close quarters. You know, they don't have the luxury of being six feet apart, right? And so this becomes, what do you do in this to make sure that your employees are being safe, that work is getting done, and that your business is continuing to do what it needs to do, right? And then more importantly, when somebody does test positive, how do you quickly track and trace all of, you know, the people that they've come in contact with and how do you do that quickly and without, you know, breaking HR guidelines and all these other things, right? So a lot of really crazy things that you have to really pay attention to. So with that lens, I want to first say what we're not, right? Okay, good. And so you'll hear about solutions out there that maybe it's a button or a pen that you wear on your vest or your garment or your vat, you know, vest or something like that. And those items can be really cheap, you know, 10, 20, 30 bucks, whatever. But the problem is, is that it takes a major infrastructure to put those things into place, right? You have to have other things that triangulate where that button is in your entire operation. Now, how you pull that off in, in oil and gas, I would have no idea. I think that would, <laughs> that would almost be impossible. Yeah. Right? It'd be a trick for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so taking, you know, when, when people look at this and they look at the solution, you really have to look at the entire total cost of ownership and how you really can deploy this. So if you can't do that, if you can't do this entire infrastructure to triangulate where somebody is, what's the next best thing? And if it's, it's this solution. So our watches, we've taken our wearable watches that you see, you know, on the shelves and you see throughout, you know, all the advertisement, whatever. And we've been able to make each watch be its own listener and do the math for you. And you'd be really surprised. So think about how you normally go to work. You might walk up, you might shake hands, depending on how well you know them. You might pat them on the back and, and you may even give them a hug, depending on who they are, right? This social distancing in COVID has completely changed all that. So we're actually talking about, hey, what's six feet? And I don't know about you, but I don't carry a measuring tape in my pocket everywhere. Yeah, I, I wonder about that sometimes. Like, I'm not sure that if you took the average person and said, mark off six feet, like, do they really, do people know what six feet is? They'd come close probably, but I, I'm not sure that people always, always really know that. You'd be surprised. And the answer is no, nobody knows what six feet is. Like literally. <laughs> and the reason I can tell you that with like absolute definitive certainty is because when we deploy this solution, we see the numbers through the roof. As soon as we have everybody wearing watches, the immediate reaction, as an example from this airline, was, wow, what is that all about? Like, what is this? And it's because nobody understands what six feet is. Well, do they? And, is it because they don't understand or because they don't care what six feet is? <laughs> maybe a little bit of both, right? <laughs> Can you measure that part? Can you measure like the care factor? Do I care what six feet is? <laughs> right. 
So what our solution does is is actually changing social behavior. So now you, you understand what six feet is. Your watch itself vibrates. It gives you an, an alert on the face of the watch as well as vibrating and saying, hey, buddy, you've crossed, you know, and you've gone underneath six feet, right? So that's the first thing, right, is, is to, to really understand, you know, what that means. And so we're changing social behavior in that, in that sense. But I also want to really highlight that a lot of your customers today, I would venture to guess, are probably IBM Maximo Worker Insights customers already. Right, and they're, sure. they're using the platform to measure, you know, maybe this particular valve, you know, went off and it's too hot or this sensor is going off or whatever. And so they have a single dashboard that they're already managing their business today with IBM. Okay. Right. I know for a fact that nobody wants another dashboard, right? Nobody wants another app or another dashboard no, or no. a way to figure this out. Right. 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 No, that's for sure. We've been given the opportunity to tie in directly to IBM's existing dashboard that likely a lot of your customers are already using today and give that single dashboard view where now we are just another endpoint. This statistic, right, this social distancing statistic is another input into this great dashboard that your customers already have today. That's right. So that is huge because you're right. There's so much, there's like a competition to see whether we have more dashboards or more <laughs> weekly sync meetings, right? Like those are both <laughs> off the charts. But I think, you know, as you're describing this, even if you leave social distancing out of it, which I know seems impossible at the moment, but surely someday we won't have to worry about that. In this industry, when you talk about these environments, remote environments, and I mean really remote, not like not like I'm working in my attic remote. The safety thing, knowing where somebody is relative to certain things that can be dangerous still has has a huge application, right? And being able to advise people on their movement and their interaction with their environment, is that kind of part of the vision of what you're doing as well, sort of beyond the current situation? Absolutely. So the first part of this is social distancing. I'll touch on this just briefly which is we're doing three things. We're tracking interaction one-to-one -one when you come in contact too close with a single individual. We also track clustering, which means more than two. Okay, well, when does that happen? And then more importantly, we're tracking dwell time. How long are you spending with this individual or these individuals? And that's actually very critical and key because if you're walking down the hallway from somebody or, or whatever, that might not be, you know, that that's probably a minimal interaction. But if you're spending three hours, five hours, 12 hours with somebody in close quarters, the chances of you passing that is is key. But then also what we've learned, you know, and this came up with the airline, this is immediately their pivot. And I'm glad that you brought it up is they pivoted to say, this is a computer on these folks, you know, wrist, what else can we do? Like we have lone worker, we have people that are completely by themselves. If they have a heart attack or a stroke, they can't speak. They can't do this over, over the radio. Can you do a panic button? And the answer to that is absolutely. They can hold a button down on this watch and it can send GPS location. It can send the fact that they're in distress. And, and they, can not, they don't even have to say a word in order to be able to do this. And so to your point, it is a fantastic way to use social distancing that, you know, I'll call it God willing, will eventually, you know, not be around, you know, for however long, but then you start working in things like, okay, what is, what does lone worker look like? 
what does task task management look like, you know, from a wearable standpoint, right? What does push to talk sound like on a wearable versus a radio, right? So how do these things happen? So this is amazing. I have to ask this question and Ed or Nick, this might be a good time for you to chime in, but you know, right now, because of the things that are going on, I think everybody is very sort of amenable to these types of technologies and things. Do you worry about people at some point feeling like, is this too much like, like my company knows too much about where I am all the time and what I'm doing? How do you kind of mitigate that concern that eventually people might have when they're not quite so afraid of, you know, the current scenario? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because that's been top of mind with a handful of the partners that we've been testing with. You know, you've seen the 60-minute piece on TV where Ford was interviewed and they said this solution from Samsung flew through approval with the union because we're able to anonymize who they are with the system. So we have a very specific identified just for that watch, for that person that only the company knows. Right. So we can ensure, you know, the PII term, the personal information identifier, making sure it's secure, it's private. We have all that design baked in to the Samsung IBM platform. And one other thing that Ray touched on, which is extremely powerful, it's the, you know, being able to extend the maximal platform beyond just the dashboard, but the other functionality like task management notification, but also something simple as authentication. Use the watch and Maximal to give you access to building. To things you do a thousand times every day, instead of trying to remember those codes, use your watch to uniquely identify who you are. A client just told us that functionality alone will save us millions of dollars, millions of dollars because of that. And being able to do something simple like no-go zone. With your watch, you'll know if you just stepped into a zone that you shouldn't be without a hard hat, you shouldn't be at all, and all these other safety, security functionality that you just can't do with a pendant or an app on a phone. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Just building on that question just to, for a minute, Michael, I think it's a great question. I mean, I, I think you're right. Right now, the vast majority of, of customers and discussions are all focused around social distancing. It's top of mind. But I, I do think you, you have a, a very valid point, which is once things calm down, you know, our, our employees still going to have the willingness and our, our employers still going to have the willingness to embrace on a journey like this. And I think that just ties back to the importance of the value has to go beyond that. Whether it's like Ed said, you know, helping to open a door, log into a machine, the value has to be there for the individual, the company, and then safety just has to be a piece of the whole, the whole package. And I think really, the more that we can have that holistic discussion with a customer and say, this is just the start of a journey. You're going to get a lot of value out of this that goes far beyond just social distancing. The more they will see the value of this long-term and the easier it'll be because then the employee's loving it, the employer's loving it, and everyone's staying safe in the process. Got it. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And ultimately, a watch is, even though we're wearing it, it's really just an even smaller version of the things we're already carrying around with us all the time, right? So, and you know, you can always take it off when you get home and you don't have to have it on all the time. So we're kind of getting up against time here, which, you know, is unfortunate because I this is a really, this is a great topic that we could talk about for quite a while. Maybe as you guys are making progress and is it out there? I know it's been in the factory. Has the single been released yet? <laughs> is it out there in, in the real world? Absolutely. So, and I want to just tell you a funny, quick, really quick story, which is 
when we deploy this at the airline, the same thing that you're talking about, this old school versus new school technology and, and people being you know worried about being tracked and everything else, we did the proof of concept with volunteers and they got a bunch of volunteers, but there was a fairly large group that said, hey, we, you know, we don't want to be tracked. And same thing you just said. The interesting thing was when the watches showed up, those same people said, why am I not getting a watch? <laughs> right. Because it's so cool, right? I want to have a watch. <laughs> exactly. And so just the cool factor kind of brought over the audience as well when they're like, oh, I didn't realize it was that. I thought it was going to be, you know, some other right. thing. Like an ankle bracelet, right? Yeah, right. That exactly. <laughs> so just because of that kind of change in the technology that you deploy, you actually get, a, you know, get your employees to sign up easier when they realize what they're doing. So, you know, to your question about, is it available? Absolutely, it's available. And then, you know, the links that you're going to be providing, you know, as part of this podcast, you know, folks can go click on that and be able to get in touch with us. And we're really actively doing a lot of proof of concepts, talking to a lot of customers actively today who are really interested in making sure that they're that their environment is safe and that when they do shut down and this has happened across, across oil and gas, you know, how do you clean? How do you do these things? You know, how do you make sure that you're operationally okay? And so we're able to help kind of give you a lens on where these people were, who they came in contact with and make sure that you're not overspending in cleaning areas that these people were never, you know, never part of. Right. So there's a there's a lot of advantages. And, and I think it's just to to Nick's point, it's a conversation that we have to have per customer to make sure that, you know, we're we have their lens in mind. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be able to get that guidance along with the product, because I can tell you that I've been recently just the last few months i've been involved in a number of different you know kind of you know there's a lot of virtual events going on right now right and we get these executive panels where you try to get executives to come on and talk about especially to like tech leadership it leadership how do you be successful in these you know in this these challenges that we have going on which you know even besides the covid thing you got like Oil and gas was having its own challenges already. And every time there's a piece of the answer for it doesn't matter who's talking about it, you know, executives from oil companies, from consulting firms, the answer is always get help and involvement from trusted partners who can help you understand and learn from what other people are doing because it's so essential to being to being successful. So it's great that you guys have got, I mean, obviously IBM has a long history in consulting. I was an IBM consulting customer once upon a time and many years ago. And that's when I that was actually part of how I went into the consulting industry for for many years. So it's great that you have all those capabilities wrapped up. I think this is a this is a great topic for people to really start thinking about and think about, okay, how are we going to do this? If they want to know more about any of, of you guys or what you're doing, you mentioned, yes, we are going to put links in the show notes. What are some places that people can look to learn more about either to get in touch with you individually or to learn more about this whole project? Anybody can answer that. Sure. You can obviously visit any one of our LinkedIn sites. You can find Edward Choi, Ray Cooey, Nick Otto. I think that's a good way to get a hold of us quickly. And I think your show notes will have a lot of the other links that are going to point right to some really rich and valuable and informational content. Okay, great. That is brilliant. And I can attest that I found all three of you on LinkedIn without any problem just earlier today. So you are easy to find. 
Really appreciate you guys being on today. I think we pulled off the four-way different places. You know, this whole working by yourself in your closet thing, I think we're all starting to get good at it, I think. So it was a great conversation. And I have a few more things I need to mention. Our, I mentioned our sponsor, Cognite, and need to check out Cognite if you haven't already. They are, they're doing some amazing things with industrial data, which is kind of a component of this whole digital transformation stuff that we were talking about earlier. They're doing some great stuff there. Also, we got a OGGN street team, which is being led by our very own Warren Spiewak. And, you know, I think they're not really on the real streets right now, but they're out there on the virtual streets. It's a great way to get involved if you just want to do something with OGGN. You want to do something in the industry. You want to get connected to other people. There's a LinkedIn group. If you ever heard me say in a previous episode that there's a Facebook group, forget about that. There's a LinkedIn group now, and you can get to that through the usual means. You can also look at our website, Oil & Gas Tech. Well, OGGN.com is the, it's a brand new website that's being launched right now. So you got to check that out because we all have our nice pictures on there and stories and things like that. There's also an OGGN LinkedIn group, which you can find through the usual means. That is going to do it for today. I want to send everybody off well, with that thing I said before, which is the next time your buddy says, hey, oil and gas is sort of late to the party. Just remember that we were, oil and gas was doing tech before tech was cool. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for December 2020. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two OGGN live streams, and on the third, we have Moving Up in a Downturn, and on the eighth, we have Quality Management in a Down Economy. The only in-person event we have this month is the API and SPE Houston Chapter Luncheon about the rebuilding of the American oil field, which will be at the Petroleum Club on the 8th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for December, and I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.